You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don McGregor. Hey, everybody, it's Don LaGreca with the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. All right, all the series are underway. Panic all over the place. Jubilation everywhere else. It's like, it, it, I know the stats, I think they say 68% of the time the team that wins game one goes on to win the series. But a lot of times that has to do with the team that's favored just going on and winning the series anyway. Um, but, uh, but an evenly played series, I don't think it's that big of a deal. I, I'm not going to flip out about... Um, you know, the Wild losing to the Blues or the Oilers losing to the Kings. Now, I might be a little disturbed uh, disturbed if I was Tampa. They looked kind of tired and just not ready to play against the Maple Leafs who completely owned them, holding the 24 shots on goal. You know, Carolina's the better team over Boston, so I'd be a little bit concerned about that. But evenly matched series like the Blues and the Wild and the Kings and the Oilers, I wouldn't get crazy. Same thing with the Rangers and the Penguins. The, the capital win's a little disturbing for Florida because it's that old song and dance with the Panthers, right? Team that has not been out of the first round since 1996. You see what happens to President's Trophy winners. The Capitals have a lot of experience, tons of players on the team that won the Cup a couple of years ago in 2018. So that would bother me. Uh, I never thought Nashville had a shot anyway. So um, the, the Avalanche are in complete control. So you can panic if you're a fan of Nashville. And uh, the Flames, I thought, made a statement just by the fact that they held the Stars, who are a pretty good offensive team, to just 16 shots on goal, which just tells you that this this Flames team has, I think, that they're equipped to win the Cup. They're equipped to shut down good teams. And I, I would love to see Flames Avalanche in, in a conference final. That, w- that would be terrific. Um, and that's what I'm really hoping for, just from a competitive standpoint. But the Flames kind of showed you they can play anyway. They've, they've got the firepower to get it done. They get a Lindholm goal early, and they hold on for the one nothing victory, and they get great goaltending from Markstrom, even though he didn't have to be great with the 16 saves. And listen, the Avalanche are just one of those teams that are just scary, scary good. In Nashville, you saw the way they played at the end of the season, losing that game to Arizona, and their goaltending situation being what it is. You know, Riddich is just not the, as good as um, Soros, and that, that's going to be a problem for Nashville against a team like the Avalanche. But let's go to last night and, of course, the big talking point on Twitter, and I'm sure we're going to get a ton of tweets about it when we do um, the social media interaction, is uh, the Penguins' 4-3 victory over the Rangers in triple overtime. Longest game ever at the new Madison Square Garden, eclipsing the 71 uh, three-overtime game in which Pete Stemkowski beat the Chicago Blackhawks in game six. Uh, just an amazing, amazing game. But let's get right, let's cut to the chase here, and that is the goaltender interference that erased the Heedle goal late in the third period that would have given the Rangers the 4-3 victory in regulation. The goal originally called a goal, Kako going to the net. Certainly there was contact with DeSmith. Was he pushed by Dumoulin? Was it incidental? All that is being debated by both Pittsburgh and New York, fans all over the place. When I saw it live, I said, I don't think they're going to count this goal. Even when they counted the goal on the ice, I'm like, they're going to review this, and then they're going to take it away. 
Uh, then when I looked at it, it depended on the angle, right? When you look at the angle's ice level, it looked like, hey, it looked like Dumlouin pushed Kako in, and that maybe even Dumlouin was the one that initiated the contact in the first place, dragging DeSmith away from the crease. And if that were the case, then the goal would have stood. And also, let's not forget Kako from his knees, centering the pass after all the contact to heal for the goal. It would have been spectacular had it counted. Uh, but then the overhead, you saw the first contact was Kako hitting the head of DeSmith. Now, this is going to be debated forever, is how much did the defender have responsibility in Kako making the contact, all right? He gets beat. Kako's driving towards the net. Dumoulin still has the ability and, and the right to defend him, so he's on top of him, and Kako had nowhere to go. He wanted to get room to, to score, ran out of real estate, banged into the goaltender. Now, if you want to allow that type of play, then you're going to see a lot of goaltenders get hurt. So there is some responsibility. If you're driving towards the net, you've got to make sure you have some room to avoid the contact. And, I, and looking at it from above, I, I do think the right call was made. Uh, Dave Maloney, who was the color commentator on the radio side where I was doing the pre and post, thought it was the right call. Gerard Gallant, after the game, said he thought it was the right call. Now, Gallant could be playing a game of, hey, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses for why we lost. So I'm just going to ignore it and say that, you know what, I'm going to agree with the officials. Why get on the officials' bad side? There could be motivation behind that. But overall, for anybody griping that the – and I hear this all the time. Like, I almost cringe as somebody that covers the Rangers when they play the Pittsburgh Penguins or they play a Canadian team. <laughs> because hear me out. Whenever a call goes against them, then you start to hear, oh, they want Sidney Crosby to win. He's at the end of his career. They want Pittsburgh to advance. And whenever it's like the Canadians or or they're playing the uh, Ottawa Senators back in the day, it was, oh, they, those, oh the, the, the powers that be up in Canada want the Canadian teams to win, which is ridiculous because what better way to have the league um, the Canadian teams look like a force if Toronto would win the Cup. And Toronto hasn't won a Cup since 67, okay? Montreal Canadiens haven't won a Cup since 93. Oh, oh, by the way, that's the last time a Canadian team won a Cup was 1993. So if the NHL's trying to get the Canadian teams to win, they suck at it because it hasn't happened. And the same thing with Sidney Crosby. He hasn't been out of the first round since 2018. They were 5-15 and 15 in the last 20 playoff games. So I don't believe in the conspiracy theories, okay? But I kind of cringe because it's like, oh, yeah, they, they reviewed it and they knew that it would be Sidney Crosby losing the game, the Sidney Crosby effect, the Sidney Crosby effect, the Sidney Crosby effect. Stop. All right? It was a bang-bang play. Could have went either way, I guess, to a lot of people. I thought the right call was made. We can debate it till we're blue in the face. And I'm sure he will on the Michael K. Show coming up later on today, or did, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. But it does not erase the fact that they Rangers were outplayed in the second period. They had a 2 nothing lead. Cop scores to make it 2 nothing. They're going to blow the, uh, the Penguins out of the building. And then they end up getting outshot 25-8 to in the second period. 25-8. to And they got outscored 3-2. to So if you want to talk about why you lost the game, I don't care how good your goaltender is, he faces 83 shots. And think about this. That's the second most saves ever in the history of the National Hockey League. We only played six minutes of a third overtime. The record for Corpusalo, if you remember, was that was a five-overtime game in the bubble a couple of years ago and only beat Shesterkin by six saves. I don't care how long you play, 83 shots on goal, 47 in regulation. It's ridiculous. So they've got to clamp that down. Now, what was amazing about that game 
is that usually when you get a long game, it's long because there's not many opportunities and it's ugly and the players are exhausted. You saw tons of opportunities, tons of opportunities in that game. How was a fun overtime? Because some of those things, yeah, it's long and it's interesting because of how long it is and you're on the edge of your seat because a game can end at any moment, but really the quality of play isn't great. In that second overtime, the Rangers outshot the Penguins 19-17. You don't see that in overtime. So the goaltending was spectacular. Another thing that a Ranger fan or the Rangers don't have any kicks coming is that Louis Domingue comes in the game. Louis Domingue, he's on his sixth team. He played two games this year, and he made 17 saves the rest of the way to get the win. And when, when Domingue came in, I'm thinking, all right, listen, they're either going to win this game in the next 30 seconds or they're going to make a hero out of the kid. And they ended up making a hero out of Domingue. I even call him a kid. He's, a, he's an old man. But you know what I mean. And now we'll see what happens in game two. Raquel <clears throat> got hit high by Lingren in the first period. It was called a major. They reviewed it and did the right thing and reduced it down to two minutes because he didn't make contact with his head. But Raquel didn't come back. He was evaluated after the game, still waiting word. And we thought maybe DeSmith left the game because of uh, cramps. But now he's being evaluated. Who knows if he's going to be able to play? And they're already on Deming as their third goaltender because they're waiting for Christian Jari to come back, and he's already ruled out of game two. So, And then Lingren leaves the game in the third period. He was in and out of overtime, so these are not healthy puppies. And Kopp and Panarin did not look like they were 100%. So this is going to be a war of attrition, and what could kind of be scary for both of these teams is if this is an inkling of what this series is going to be, long and physical and tight that you wonder will either of these two teams have anything left for the second round especially if Carolina makes short work of Boston all right it's going to be tough for either of these two teams to beat Carolina but if Carolina wins in four or five games against Boston and I'm not saying they will but they did win the game uh one five to one and it was you know it was a two one game in the third period I get it but Carolina is still very good but if even if you got like a, a six game series and these two were going to go seven with a bunch of overtimes and a bunch of guys getting hurt you know the last thing you want to do is you want to make a run is limping into a series against Carolina or even Boston if Boston is able to come back and and win this series so hey it's it's excellent hockey I think this is the potentially could be the best series of the postseason but a tough one Malkin gets the game winner in overtime and we finally get our really first thriller of the postseason, and and that was a a lot of fun to watch. The other series that I think is going to be fantastic is that that Kings-Edmonton game, and I had given the Oilers um, to win this in five. Um, Obviously, the Kings show you that they still have a lot of players that were involved in those cup runs, and to see Jonathan Quick still be able to play at that level is pretty cool. I'm still going to stick with Edmonton because – for the most part, there, a lot of penalties are being scored. Edmonton's going to kill you with the man advantage. And with Dowdy out for Los Angeles, that's going to be a problem. So I would not say Edmonton's in any kind of trouble. But much like Florida, they do have a thing with making runs. And I think Crosby's only been out of the first round once, and that was a few years ago when they lost, I think, to Anaheim in the second round of the playoffs, um, if I'm not mistaken. So there's that thing of, all right, you can do it in the regular season, but can you do it in the postseason? Dreisaitl is just sick. Dreisaitl, he might be the most underrated player in sports, honestly, because he is really, really good. He's underrated on his own team because it's McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. 
But Dreisaitl is amazing, and nobody really talks about him. I know hockey is, is it's tough to be able to get that exposure, but even in his own sport, it's McDavid, McDavid, McDavid. Dreisaitl is amazing. And by the way, the dry side, you know, not not at the same level, but kind of the dry side of Pittsburgh is Gensel. Nobody talks about him either. He's got a forty goals. He he had a post in overtime that would have given him the hat trick. Helps playing with Sidney Crosby, no question. But he's got a heck of a shot, as does Drysidle. So that's what's on the table. So tonight you've got four more games. Carolina and Boston with Carolina up one nothing. I'm interested to see what how Tampa responds. All right. Uh, no Clifford for Toronto. He's suspended one game. No surprise there. But Toronto just owned them. Uh, and I think Tampa's going to bounce back. They, they got the heart of a champion. But part of having a heart of a champion is playing a lot of games the way they have. And you wonder if it kind of catches up to them in Toronto. I, I picked Toronto to win the series because they just thought they were due. But this is – I usually don't freak out especially when a team the caliber of Tampa loses a couple of road games to start the series. But if you see similar things in Game 2 you saw in Game 1, Tampa could be in a lot of trouble. I expect the Wild to bounce back as well. Marc-Andre Fleury is going to come in. No surprise there. Um, they went with Talbot. That was kind of a surprise. Go to Flurry, make a change. But the Blues might be just too deep for the Wild. And I expect Edmonton to bounce back against Los Angeles. If they do not... It's a different story. Lose the first two games at home, having to go L.A., that's not the greatest of uh, situations for uh, the Edmonton Oilers. So some really interesting games coming up tonight in the National Hockey League. Let's go to the social media, and let's get into it here on Game Misconduct. You can get in touch with me at Don LeGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. And Joseph says, that call was brutal. Kako clearly pushed. And even so, Dumoulin took out DeSmith, not Kako. Your thoughts on how the NHL can continue like this? This is the stuff that just goes just crazy. So it was just, it was just an awful call, even though they reviewed it. All right? You're, you're, you're not looking at – don't look at the fact of who took him out of the crease. Kako made contact with his head on a goal that was scored. They're going to – in more times than not, when they look at that, they are going to reverse – the call. They're, they're going to say no goal, I should say, because they reversed the call here. But um, if they said no goal and it was reviewed, the same thing would have happened. So it's semantics there. But uh, So let's not get crazy, all right? I know goal – this is the thing, goaltender interference. That's why I, I hate the fact that it's a reviewable play. Because unlike offside where you kind of usually, usually can see whether he was on or offside, when you look at that, it's always going to be in the eye of the beholder. And – I just don't have the problem with it that a lot of people do. And if you if you want to say that you thought it was the wrong call, but again, to say the rule needs to be changed, brutal, I, I don't see it as brutal. And again, Dave Maloney played in this league a long time. If I cut Dave open, he'd bleed blue, and he thought it was the right call. Now, if you think the rule should be changed and just say, hey, have at it, drive to the net, then that's a different story, but then you're going to see a lot of goaltenders get hurt. And you don't want to go back to the day where if you had a toe in the crease, they disallowed the goal. Remember that 20 years ago and what garbage that was? Sally Muscles. Hey, Don, that was a legal goal, right? Yeah. I don't I don't agree. I don't think it was a legal goal. I, I, I don't. I think they got it right. I like Bacon says, how do the Rangers only get one power play in five-plus periods of hockey and how that was a goal interference. Again, I'm not, I, I explained it already. 
You can agree with me, disagree with me, hate me, whatever. I'm not going to continue to repeat myself. Here's the problem with the Rangers, though. If you've been following the Rangers, and maybe I don't know, I don't know why it is. Nobody seems to have an answer for me. I've asked the question to everybody, players, to Dave Maloney. There's been countless games this year, countless, and where the Rangers like didn't even get a power play or only got one. So I don't know if it's their style of play, just one of those things. And I'm not going to count the five plus period. They weren't going to call any penalties in overtime. All right. And did they miss a couple? They missed an icing. They also missed a, a Truba trip. So uh, I, I, when I did NHL Live back in the day, and I love the playoffs, there's nothing better in sports than hockey playoffs. NHL playoffs are the best. But when EJ and I would do NHL Live, and even back when I did it on the radio with Jim Cerny, it was amazing when we would take calls and read emails everybody and their mother complaining about the officiating for the previous night's game everybody that lost believes the officials had were in the bag they didn't give us any calls it is strange they only had one power play but if you looked at the rangers and tell me if i'm wrong go back to the box scores how many times they've only had one so is that a conspiracy that they don't want the rangers to win the biggest market you know in in the united states and not have them make a run that's the other thing too is the, these conspiracy theory they want they want the penguins to win they want the canadian teams to win they don't want the rangers to win biggest television market in the country you don't think things are vastly more interesting television wise if the rangers make a run so stop with the conspiracy theory was the was the officiating board how do you miss an icing but i can say how did they miss the truba trip but it does get a little redundant, always complaining about the officiating. And I like the tactic Gallant took after the game. Hey, you know, you can't get outshot 25-8 to eight in the second period. You can't blow a two-goal lead. And, and, and the Rangers also have to kind of tighten up. You know, they, they get too cute sometimes with these no-look passes and all that. That's fine against Arizona in November. Going up against an experienced Pittsburgh team in the postseason, it's going to get you in trouble. Here we go again. Uh, RT Masso. Rangers got job last night. They let Penguin, they let the Pittsburgh back in the game, but refs screwed them on the Kako play. All right, I've already answered that. Shane says, "What's your opinion on the Rangers goal?" Okay, we'll move on from that. Uh Tomas says, "Which of the road wins was the most impressive? St. Louis, Washington, Pittsburgh, or LA?" And which of those four teams likely to win their series? Well, Washington is the most impressive when you consider the difference between the two teams in the regular season and that Florida is the president's trophy winner. And that's no joke in Sunrise in the postseason. They care about that team, and and there's an electricity in that building, and there sure was last night. Washington was probably the most impressive. As far as which team do I think can make a run, I mean, obviously it's St. Louis, right? They've got tons of of cup-caliber guys. Husso was really good uh, between the pipes pitching the shutout, so that's probably uh, the team that I would say that won on the road that's got the best chance of making a run. Tommy P says, so what time did you get home last night? Also, is it hard for the Rangers to adjust mid-game to a different uh, handed goaltender in terms of shooting? That's a great point. Right-handed goaltender, um, you don't uh, right-handed glove, something you don't normally see. Uh, Dave brought it up during the course of the game. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much they scout. I'm sure they scout goaltenders and tendencies, that that probably more than anything else. But, you know, glove size, stick side, you probably have to kind of remind yourself if you're taking a shot, all right, where is his weak spot and, and how much do you know of Deming? I mean, uh, Deming's been in this league for a little while, but he only played twice, I think, during the regular season. He actually... Uh, Kenny Albert brought this up during the broadcast. He actually played four consecutive games 
with four different teams. So he's bounced around everywhere. So probably the scouting report more so than the left and the right, but uh, it's it's possible. Uh, Johnny says, is this the year a Canadian team wins the Cup? It, it, it's, it's the best chance. I can't tell you I'd be shocked if Toronto came out of the East. I can't tell you that. And I certainly believe that Calgary can come out of the West. Matter of fact, I have them coming out of the West. I think my Stanley Cup final is Carolina-Calgary. So this could be the year because there's no fluke. So I like Edmonton, I don't think, is cup-worthy. I don't think that's a team that can make a cup run. But Toronto, Calgary, uh, absolutely. And I don't think it would be that much of a of a crazy thought. Uh, David B. says, even though they haven't gone past the first round in recent years, will the narrative that the referees favor the Penguins always exist as long as Sidney Crosby is in the league? Yes. Now, I will say this about Sid. He he is a complainer, all right? He does get in the officials' ears, and good for him if he makes it work for him. But, again, I don't think there's this quote-unquote conspiracy that they want Pittsburgh to make a run and they love Sidney Crosby. All right, because that would be taking away from Sidney Crosby and his brilliance. He's a really good player. He's, he's got over 1,400 points despite his concussion situation. He's scored some big goals. He's a three-time Stanley Cup champion, and deservedly so. What happens is I, 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 I knew um, somebody who knew an umpire that, uh, that worked Major League Baseball. And it's the same thing that happens you know, when Wade Boggs would take a pitch on the corner if he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt because he's Wade Box, you know, if it's Yo-Yo Bumchuck, they're going to punch him out. Uh, same thing with wide receivers in the NFL. All right, Michael Irvin might get away with a push-off. Don Lagreca would not. So I think there are times that Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins—they've got um, nobody, no team in the history of the NHL has ever had three guys play 16 consecutive years together the way Crosby, Malkin, and Latang have. So reputation has been built up. I think that's where the edge comes in, not some conspiracy theory from Gary Bettman and the powers that be in midtown Manhattan trying to concoct a way for Sidney Crosby to lift the Stanley Cup. It's just take a look at the league. Who is a more respected team as far as over the time. I mean, they won their first Stanley Cup together in 09, won back-to-back cups in 16-17. Now, Tampa's won a couple of cups in a row, but the Detroit era is over now, right? Uh, the Kings are far removed from their uh, run of, of two cups in three years and three consecutive appearances in the conference final and all that. But Pittsburgh, there's a lot of sustainability there. And I think there's going to be some teams and some players that sometimes get the benefit of the doubt on calls, and that's going to happen. Um, and so whenever Pittsburgh gets a break and there was a perceived break last night, that's going to be the knee-jerk reaction to go to. But this series is far from over. And if and it hasn't worked in recent years. Again, 5-15 and 15 in their last 20 playoff games and had not been out of the first round since 2018. So if there's conspiracy theories to get Pittsburgh to make a run, again, the NHL sucks at it because – didn't help them against the Islanders the last couple of years, right? It didn't help them that year against Washington when they lost, and then eventually Washington won the Stanley Cup. So, yeah, they're going to get their breaks. But you got to be able to fight through that. I think the Rangers are the better team. I think they will find a way to overcome this, and I don't think it's the end of the world by any stretch. I think one of the most overrated things in the NHL is how difficult it is to overcome a tough overtime loss. 
I can I can give you tons of examples. You want to take you want a Ranger example. They lost in overtime in Game One of the Conference Final against the Devils in '94, and Game One against Vancouver in '94. And you know they won both of those series in seven. And oh by the way, in the Canucks series, they went ahead and won the next three. Go to the Devils. I was just talking about this with Anthony before we started uh, in 1994 in the first round. Uh, in Game 6 in Buffalo, uh, the Devils went four overtimes and a scoreless tie, Brodeur versus Hasek. Devastating loss, goal scored. Hannah, I think, scored the goal in the fourth overtime for Buffalo. And then you figure, oh, forget it. There's no way the Devils can possibly win Game 7 after a heartbreaking loss like that. You know, the Devils won Game 7. So it, this is the way I would put it. I, I think Pittsburgh came with its A game. And it took three overtimes to be the Rangers. And the Rangers cannot convince me or anybody that they came with their A game last night. So I think if everything evens itself up, they'll they'll win tomorrow, and I think they'll still win the series. But, But if they play the way they played in the second period, then it could be a very short series. So it should be a lot of fun. I'll be on the call tomorrow. Looking forward to that. My first uh, postseason game since 2015, so I'm excited about that. So I will be on the call, and I will be at Madison Square Garden for Game 2, Rangers and the Penguins. I'll be back with you on Friday. And then Friday night, I get on a plane for the first time in 26 months as I fly to Pittsburgh to do Games 3 and 4. So no matter what happens, I know that those games definitely will be played. And believe me, there'll be more than four games in this series. You can pretty much bank on that. So I will talk to you again on Friday. You want to get in touch with me? Yell at me about my opinion on the uh, the disallowed goal. At Don LaGreca, hashtag Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again coming up on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.